What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome into another episode of Know Your Role. I'm Xavier Catania, and my role is to host this podcast. Make sure you're keeping up with everything new going on with KC Sports Company. Follow us on social media, subscribe on YouTube, rate and review on all the podcast platforms. We got a bunch of new merch in the store this week on the website, kcsportscompany.com. They got hoodies and crew necks over there now. And we got a giveaway going on on Twitter. So make sure you go check that out and get entered in to win some free stuff. It, hats and shirts, they're really cool looking. You guys are going to love them. So make sure you get in on the action. So there's been a bunch of stuff going on this week, Chiefs related. We got Daenerys Prince getting some glowing reports at OTAs, and he may be due for a player breakdown at some point in the future, but that's for a different time. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, still a free agent, and he's visiting some really trash teams right now, the Titans and the Patriots, and uh, I've heard rumblings about the Texans. Uh, If he wants to win... He probably won't go there, but it sounds like he may be valuing money over a ring, and I can't blame him for that, but I think he has a chance to go get a ring, so we'll see what he does. Um, Dalvin Cook is rumored to either be headed to Miami or Denver after being cut, so we may have a new addition in a big-name running back coming to the AFC West. Frank Clarks did sign with the Denver Broncos, unfortunately. Five and a half million guaranteed, seven million with incentives. And I think I speak for all Chiefs fans when I say this was uh, sad to see. I Part of me wanted Clark to come back to the Chiefs, but instead the Shark is going to be wearing blue and orange and trying to chase down Pat Mahomes. So good luck to him, but... I would not want to be in that situation if I was him. Uh, It's always kind of sad when these big-time players like that go to uh, a rival team at the end of their careers. We've seen it happen with Jamal Charles and Derek Johnson, and it's just another one that is a little heartbreaking to see, but also I have to say I'm happy the Chiefs didn't pay him that money, and I also have to say R.I.P., to the playoff sack record that Frank Clark was hoping to achieve. But now that he is with the Broncos, we'll see. I don't have confidence that they'll be in the playoffs. Um, And there's one more big piece of news that came out last week, like maybe five hours after I finished recording and I was kicking myself because I wanted to be able to talk about this like as soon as it came out. Um, But it's some sad news. RIP to NFL royalty, Norma Hunt. It was sad to hear the news um, passing away at 85 years old. Uh, She had a long, great life, and I was really happy that she was able to see the Chiefs bring home her husband Lamar's trophy three times here in the last few years. And she was able to hoist the Lombardi trophy. Um, I think that it feels a little bit like the chief's kingdom kind of lost their queen. And 
Um, she's been a huge part of bringing football to what it is today and modernizing the NFL. And um, her husband, Lamar, obviously had a huge part to play in the merger. And it's just um, a family. The Hunt family is one that's done a lot for football as a whole to bring it to the world and grow the sport that we all love to watch and really create a culture of football um, and kind of family as well in the Kansas City area, just seeing what the team has meant to so many people and uh, really is a beautiful thing what the Hunts were able to achieve. And I think that it's something we don't talk about that much, but it really is like a story of just all American greatness, a family that made their money um, and then used their money to advance something that they believed in to chase after something that they thought was lacking representation and to go and compete with the NFL and ultimately put them in a position where they were forced to merge because the AFL had become so strong and players were going to play for the AFL and the chiefs had proven um, that they could compete with NFL teams. And it wasn't an inferior league. In fact, it was an equal league and the sport of American football was made better by what this family was able to achieve. And I think that we in Kansas City are pretty lucky to have an ownership group like this. And not every fan base is uh, lucky enough to have an ownership group that cares about the city and cares about tradition as much as they do. And you can just look around the league and see all these terrible ownership groups like in Miami and Cleveland and Washington and uh, Houston with the McNair family. And there's just, there's so many horrible ownership groups. There's meddlers like Jerry Jones and Clark is none of those things. Clark has always been uh, one who lets the football people handle the football part. And I think that's why he's had so much success over the past decade, you know, bringing in Andy Reid and making the moves to get the best general manager, the best front office, and become really a a beacon for success in the NFL. It's really admirable where this team has come from where they started. And I think we just all need to keep in mind how lucky we are for just all of the structures that are in place in Kansas city. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate the hunt family than by talking about the team that they built and where they're at now. And the quarterback who is becoming uh, a world sensation and the face of the NFL right here in Kansas city. And, it's just crazy because I don't even really think that Patrick Mahomes is like a person anymore. It kind of feels like he's like a hive mind collection of aliens who just can pop up at all places at all times and do inhuman things. He's been lighting up every 
celebrity softball game in the Midwest. He's been shotgunning beers with Luke Combs. He met with the president at the White House and he swooped in like Secret Service and prevented the Travis Kelsey 2024 announcement speech, uh, which I would have loved to hear, but it, <laughs> it was probably in the uh, best interest of everyone that Mahomes put a stop to that. Um, he's been at the F1 races this offseason. He's been at the Met Gala. And all the while, he's still putting on a show and OTA is throwing behind the back passes, airing out deep balls and working with his team to get better. And it's just, uh, it's so crazy to see, like, he's just everywhere now. And if you would have told any of us 10 years ago that we would have someone like this in Kansas City, no one would believe you. It's just so crazy to see. And I think we should just really, like, really just enjoy this to its full extent and gloat whenever possible, but also just kind of revel in the greatness of what is and and not so much think about the the ills of the past because as Chiefs fans we've had many of them and today I got on Twitter and <laughs> D Ford is trending and I'm like what I couldn't even figure out why it started I think it had to be because someone asked what uh, what's a game that you wish your team could have back or what's the biggest what if in sports or something like that. And everyone, every Chiefs fan on Twitter was just saying that D Ford being offsides game. And man, it is funny to think about that because that to me was so devastating. It felt like that was our one chance to go there and get it done. And they came up short and I was, I remember thinking, I don't know if they're, uh, they'll ever be back here. I was so angry with D Ford after that. Uh, but everything that has transpired since then, obviously that wasn't the last time the Chiefs were in that position. They were in that position every year for the next, until now, every single year until now. And um, I think that it is fun sometimes to think about those old times and what could have been, but I think we also got to realize that that is the game of football. Like if the helmet catch doesn't happen, Brady has another Super Bowl. If Mario Manningham doesn't happen, Brady has another one on top of that. And then if if Nick Foles doesn't play out of his mind, Brady has even another one on top of that. So there's like three rings that he missed out on over things that were completely out of his control. And um, that is the story with every quarterback. And I think that is something that helps them grow over time and it helps them and drives them to get back to that place because they felt that defeat and they want to know that they've worked hard enough to not feel that again. So I think it's a good thing when things like that happen, but it is funny to see people like bringing that stuff back up. And I just wanted to take this time to really appreciate the things that we've been watching because there's a graphic going around on Twitter right now, um, tweeted out by storm uh, at chief storm Two, And this is just an insane thing to think about is Mahomes is ahead of every single quarterback and it's like not even close at this point in their careers 
um, for what their career stats were. So he's 11,000 yards ahead of Tom Brady in all-time passing yards already. Uh, he has 192 to Brady's 97 touchdowns. He has 64 wins, and uh, that's compared to Brady's 48 wins. And Mahomes only has two more losses. Mahomes has two Super Bowls. Brady had three at this point, but Brady had three up until his year 13, so he's got some time to catch him there. He had, They both had two Super Bowl MVPs. Mahomes has two first-team All-Pros. Brady had zero at this point in his career. Mahomes has five Pro Bowls. Brady had two. Mahomes has two league MVPs. Brady has zero. It's really insane what is that, what he's doing. And you're talking about Brady is the guy who leads all these categories, like all time. He's the best ever. And Mahomes is just like, Mahomes could have three or four terrible years in a row and still be miles ahead of where Brady was at this point. And it's, we just haven't seen anything like it. This is literally one of one. No fan base has ever experienced this. No fan base has ever seen five straight conference titles in their own stadium. The great, it's greatness all the way around. And it's crazy to me that Mahomes is like pretty much a grizzled old man compared to a lot of the AFC quarterbacks now because there's been so much turnover and all these great young guys coming into the AFC like Burrow and Josh Allen and all these dudes. But um, disciplined adult Mahomes is going to take this team on a run that is anything – is nothing like anything that people have seen in the NFL before. He's basically got Brady's brain and will to win mixed in with Aaron Rodgers plus in the talent department. And he just – I don't know if we've ever will or ever have seen anything like this. It's just so much fun to watch. And the craziest thing about it all is that even when the Chiefs are down, it doesn't really matter. Like they are pretty much going to win anyways, and that's not even hyperbole. They have a 58% win percentage when they're down by 10 points in the Mahomes era, and that's including the playoffs. And that is just ridiculous to think about, that they're more likely to win than lose when they're losing the game. Like, it doesn't even matter. It Fourth quarter down by 10 doesn't matter. The Chiefs statistically are going to win that game. It's so, it's so crazy. <laughs> um, to put that in perspective, there's no other quarterback above 30%. And that's, uh, I think Lamar Jackson is like at 30.8% or something like that. And it's, um, yeah, it's just literally greatness personified, putting every other quarterback to shame, making the game look so easy. Uh, that's Patrick Mahomes for you. So this was a ton of fun just going over all these numbers and gloating like I think we all should be. And uh, I think we're going to go ahead and run this to a break now. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the most important thing to keep Mahomes on this trajectory. And we're going to break down some of these offensive line moves. What up, KC? 
on the heels of yet another Kansas City Super Bowl victory, we have an awesome opportunity for you to broadcast your business to the local Kansas City market. We've created something called Kansas City Sports Company, which is a sports media hub for multiple live shows, all of which cover all the local Kansas City teams. Now, we have 30-second ad spots, 60-second ad spots, we have event sponsorships, studio sponsorships, show sponsorships, and much, much more. This is a great opportunity for you to start early with us and broadcast your business to a very dedicated, very enthusiastic Kansas City audience. Contact me or hit the Contact Us link on our website to learn more about this opportunity. Welcome back into Know Your Role. I'm chilling here with the Crooked Hat Special from Fanatics. You can see the Crooked Arrowhead and the Crooked Super Bowl patch. This gear is crazy coming out of Fanatics now, but I'm going to complain about that another time. We're going to get into some offensive line talk that has been long overdue on this show. And uh, I've been kind of avoiding talking about the O-line because, to be honest, I... I'm the least knowledgeable about offensive line than any other position. It's I just don't know all the techniques. And so it's hard to find analytics on those kind of guys and stuff other than like PFF. So I kind of, I go with a little bit of that stuff. And then I listen to other people that are smarter than me talk about offensive line, like Brian Balding or Tim Grunhard, uh, Seth Kaiser. And there's a few other various um youtube channels and stuff that are really good so i kind of rely on them for a lot of the information i get about o-line um i spend most of my time on skill position players and qbs but those guys don't really come into play unless the offensive line is playing well because without the offensive line playing well obviously there's not time to do anything so obviously it's pretty important and i think that sky's the limit as long as the chiefs protect mahomes mahomes is going to continue doing all those crazy things that we were talking about in the first segment so it seems to me that in my research that left tackle and right tackle are converging in value it seems like you don't necessarily have to have the top left tackle in the league anymore or you know the the left tackle doesn't need to be the strength of your line anymore as long as you are strong in other areas your left tackle can be okay and really what you want is to have one strong tackle at least and then a decently strong interior line and you can kind of figure things out on the other side you can chip and you can do a bunch of different things on the other side so um i'm very happy that the chiefs have kind of taken this in, into account and with the signing of Jawan taylor they aren't asking him to move to left tackle the way they did with orlando brown and from everyone I hear talk about it, that seems to be a really hard switch to make because you have to do everything pretty much the opposite of what you do on the right side. And the AFC West just has so many good pass rushers on both sides that it it doesn't seem to be that that left tackle is like such a huge priority. You got guys coming on both sides, so you need a good tackle doesn't matter where he plays and if your best 
position to put Jawan Taylor in is at right tackle, then I think it's the right move. Now, is Jawan Taylor an upgrade over Orlando Brown? And I think Jawan Taylor actually fits the Chiefs a, a little bit better than Orlando Brown does because Orlando Brown came in from the Ravens. He was a right tackle with the Ravens, and he wanted to play left tackle to honor his father because he is Orlando Brown Jr., his father played left tackle in the NFL, and I respect that. And he did a he did an okay job at it, but he came in as a primarily a run grader, a guy who was seen as one of the better run blockers in the league with weaknesses in pass blocking, and those weaknesses were exposed last year with the Chiefs. I mean, Chandler Jones just put work in on Orlando Brown. That Raiders game was horrible. And I think Orlando Brown had his moments where he looked good, but there were also a lot of moments where he was getting destroyed by speed rushes. And you would see him a lot of times get outside of his frame and get off balance and speed rushers would just go right around him and he would get beat so quickly. And uh, one thing Seth Kaiser always talks about is dying a slow death at offensive line. Like, if you're going to get beat, at least make the guy work for it. Don't get beat quickly. And he was getting beat quickly by a lot of these speed rushers. And I think that's why the Chiefs went out and went after Juwan Taylor. Because the Chiefs have had a right tackle that they paid a bunch of money before. His name was Mitchell Schwartz, and he was one of the best lineman in the league for years and years and we all loved him even though he wasn't a left tackle and Fisher was clearly the inferior piece compared to Schwartz but those lines were really really good and I think that this line might have a similar feel to it and Jawan Taylor just is a high level athlete he's got really quick feet he's got long arms he can get a hold of guys um, and he seems to be more of a team guy where he's not demanding to play left tackle. He just wants to be put wherever the team needs him at. And it seems like right tackle is where he'll be playing. Um, and he plays a lot more within his frame. He's got a lot quicker feet, so the speed rushes aren't as tough for him to be able to cover. Um, now, he doesn't have as much like dog and run blocking ability as Orlando Brown, but you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs here. You don't necessarily need to have road grading run blocking ability, especially when you have the interior line of Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith. You don't really have to worry about the run game as much because you've got some absolute road graders in there, and the Chiefs carry a lot of tight ends, so there's plenty of blocking help to be had in the run game. Um I think the pass blocking ability far outweighs any of the deficiencies in the run game. He was the number three in pressure rate last year, and he allowed like a 2.5% pressure rate on Trevor Lawrence's dropbacks, and that was that's incredible. That's kind of what you're looking for when you pay a tackle $20 million a year. Um, you are looking to have that guy 
be able to lock down his side and not have to worry about it. And that was not the case with Orlando Brown. They had to send a lot of help his way, especially in the playoffs. Um, the, uh, the Jacksonville game, he was getting destroyed over and over again and ultimately was the one who got beat when Mahomes sprained his ankle. And I'm not uh, – it's a hard job but that's what he was getting paid for, and he wanted to be paid like one of the top in the league where, you know, Juwan Taylor was closer to that. He was a lot closer to that. So I think it was a great move by the Chiefs to shuffle their line in this way. And because they were left with a hole at left tackle now, um, Donovan Smith was signed to a one-year deal, and he's kind of the wild card on the line. I think all these other guys are – pretty known commodities uh but donovan smith he's a polarizing person in the nfl talks right now because a lot of people um for good reason have concern because he's coming off his worst year as a pro and there are some reasons for optimism but i guess we'll see what happens when training camp starts and if he's getting the job done but he was a staple on the buccaneers line for eight years including during their playoff runs with tom brady and their super bowl win against the chiefs he was starting for that team and he had pretty solid play over those eight years i mean there you don't stick on a team for that for close to a decade without being a solid player, especially if you're a starter. Now, he was never the the marquee guy on that line. It was Tristan Wirfs. There was Ryan Jensen. There's other guys who uh, – Ali Marpet. Like, there's a, plenty of other guys who were the big names on that line. But Donovan Smith was a big – a good role player for them over that time. And he did have his worst year, as I said before, last season. But – There are a few explanations that could point towards maybe him having a rebound season. And for one, he injured his hip like 20 snaps into their first game. It was still the first half, I believe, when he injured his hip. And he was kind of in and out of games all year long. Had a really hard time moving off that hip. And I think you'd be crazy to say that that didn't affect his level of play with the Bucks last year. And another thing that really put him in a bad position was the, the Bucks whole line was like hurt. It was basically like the chiefs line when the Bucks played them in the super bowl for most of the year uh, one of my roommates is a huge Bucks fan. And he was just all year was just like, well, we lost our seventh lineman. Like <laughs> they were losing everyone. I think there was one point where not a single one of their starters were healthy, and they had like two backups that were hurt as well. Like just insanely bad luck on their line last year. And Smith was not only one of those that was hurt, but when he actually was on the field, he had no trust or chemistry with anyone around him that was on the field with him. And, um, I think that Smith, for one, is healthy now, but also I think he's going to benefit a lot from playing next to Joe Tooney because that was a big thing, a big theme that I saw over and over again when I was studying 
Orlando Brown from last year is that whenever Joe Tooney was on the field, Orlando Brown played so much better than when Joe Tooney was hurt for a couple of games. It was it wreaked havoc on that entire side of the line because as a tackle, you having great guard play it makes things so much easier for you. You you can focus more on the outside speed rush and getting your hips to the outside over like worrying about people getting to the inside. And uh, when you have a great guard there, the tackle doesn't even have to think about it. He knows that that guy has it handled. But when you have someone in there who you haven't probably played next to as much and who isn't as reliable – and you start having to worry about more things that could go wrong. It it's no wonder it that tackles play better when they have a really good guard next to them. And it's no wonder that Orlando Brown was getting beat really bad with some of those speed rushes when he didn't have Joe Tooney to lean on. And to be able to cheat more towards the outside and get a little more of a uh, his momentum going towards the outside. And I think that's why you'd sometimes see him have to reach and get off balance and then just get torched. And um, I think that part of it is, is a technique thing, but part of it also is like you have to have confidence and chemistry and trust in the entire unit. That's why a lot of people talk about how the offensive line gets better as the year goes on. And if you can keep a core group of guys together on the line for a long time, they'll be even better. And I wouldn't be surprised to see some struggles early in this year with these two new tackles. But I think it ultimately, as they play together more and more, they'll get a lot better chemistry. And the fact that the three leaders on this line are still there to help get these other guys acclimated in is going to be great. Um, I think it's a huge benefit to the Chiefs that they're so good at developing linemen and they're so good. Like it's a huge testament to the coaches and the scouting department and everyone involved that the Chiefs are able to continue to just next man up this line at such an impressive rate and bring guys careers back to life that maybe have had a hard time in other places. And um, I would say that, Ultimately, I would not expect Donovan Smith to be the Chiefs' long-term answer at left tackle. I think he's a placeholder for this year. And as the Chiefs evaluate what they can do with Lucas Niang and Wanye Morris and whoever else they decide to bring in for camp, um, I think they're going to continue to evaluate those guys and they have Donovan Smith to be able to take the pressure off of them and be able to step in right away and um, at least have a very experienced guy in there at the left tackle position, a guy who's been to championships, a guy who understands what it's like to play high-level football, a guy who is used to be having a demanding quarterback who played with Tom Brady. I think it's all uh, positives in that regard. And I also wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs run through this year and then they go and draft another tackle really early in the 2024 draft. 
uh, I don't think the Chiefs are ever going to be done adding linemen. I think this is the last year where it's like Lucas Niang, you got to show us something or you're out of here. And we're bringing up Wanye to be the swing tackle, possibly a starter in the near future. Um, but the one thing we can be assured of is that the Chiefs clearly have the philosophy of we're going to just keep this O-line beefed up as long as Mahomes is here. And we may not have the top of the top tier receivers, but as long as Mahomes has the time to make things happen, we can get by with um, saving a little bit of money on the receivers as long as we have guys who can fit into certain roles. And I think the offense is built in a way right now that it perfectly suits Andy Reid and Mahomes. And I think they've got a lot of different and great skill sets to work with to draw up all kinds of different plays. And I truly believe that the line got better addition by subtraction this year. I think Donovan Smith is right on par with Andrew Wiley. Andrew Wiley was pretty shaky all year last year. And I think that Orlando Brown, uh, it was a clear upgrade to get Juwan Taylor over Orlando Brown. And I don't even think that's really close. I think for the style of play and the pass blocker that Juwan Taylor is, I think that that was an insane upgrade. And it was made possible by Orlando Brown seeking bigger money. So, um Good luck to him in Cincinnati, but we're going to be just fine right here in KC. I'm not worried about it at all. Um, and with that, I'm going to thank you all for listening. Please go check out our social media pages at KC Sports Company. I'm at Know Your Role X. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. Leave us comments. Like the videos. Help us boost up into the algorithm. Rate and review us on all the podcast platforms. And make sure you go enter that giveaway on Twitter. There's not a lot of entries right now. You've got a really good shot at winning some pretty sweet merch. And definitely go check out the website for all the rest of the merch. Like I said, hoodies and crewnecks were put on there this week. We still got all the awesome shirt designs. And we still got a bunch of cool hats. So and thank you again for watching. I'm Xavier Catania, saying know your role and shut your mouth.